This is Little Sparkle, welcome everyone. We all are teachers, we know it's hard to educate our kids and make them face real problems, to put together our strength and give them all our knowledge. My fellow friends, let's talk about it. We are here to talk and make it better. Kids and mental health all matter. Little Sparkle, the podcast for educators. All right, so welcome back to Leave a Little Sparkle. This is Julie Walker, your host, and I am so incredibly excited to be here with somebody I admire and have watched on TikTok for a while um, and just a special guest. So hi, special guest. <laughs> hi, podcast listeners. This is Miss Johnson's ELA. Um, you can call me Elizabeth. You can call me Miss Johnson. But I am so incredibly excited to be here. I've got to say, Juliana's got one of the best podcast voices I've ever heard. Thank you. Thank you. Don't flatter me too much. <laughs> no, seriously. I'm. You flattered me, so I had to. I had to do it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so let's just dive in. Why teaching? Yeah, this is a good one because um, I am one of the few whose undergraduate degree is actually not in education or anything education related. My undergrad's actually in political science. Wow. And um, I never thought I'd be a teacher. If this, if you would have told me this my junior year of college, I would have not believed you for a second. Um, I always loved the idea of teaching, but growing up, I was so used to people telling me, including my own teachers, to just stay out of education. Oh, gosh. Um, and then my junior year, I took this course inside Cook County Jail in Chicago, where we learned alongside people like incarcerated students. Wow. Um, and it's called the Inside Out program. It's an incredible program. And I started to really fall in love with education. And I knew that coming from my background, my teachers were such a big support in my life. And I was like, I should, I should give teaching a try, but I was like, it's too late. Like I'm three years into my degree. There's no way I can do this. And then I stumbled upon a program that one of my friends in college was doing. Uh post-grad called Teach for America. Oh, okay. I've not heard of that one. And it is a two-year service program where you basically apply to it. And it's, I kind of compare it to like military service. You do your two years, they'll give you a financial incentive to either go toward existing loans or get a graduate degree. Nice. Um, And they put you in higher need schools. Okay. All, All across America. Yes. And so that is how I ended up in Nashville as I was actually placed here. Um, oh, wow. Okay. You get kind of a ranking system. Uh-huh. And then you choose the places and then they ultimately give you your assignment for the two years. Okay. I'm surprised Florida's not like the critical need. <laughs> it very well could be. Um, I know that the big one that they are trying to get people to are the Mississippi Delta and the greater Louisiana regions. Okay. I know it, it's, it's kind of disheartening because Florida has kind of been all over the place. We have been through just in my time teaching, I've been teaching for 10 years. We've been through three different sets of standards. 
it's 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 just we're we're constantly trying to reinvent and figure out where we're going wrong um and i don't i i personally don't think we're doing anything wrong i think that it's the clientele we have around here because very much a lot of people are seasonal so you're coming and you're going and if we don't match up to what the rest of the world's doing it's it's gonna look like we're missing out you know yeah and that's the big critique with the program I'm doing is like you're putting teachers in classrooms for two years and then they're leaving and going on to something else. Um, but there were quite a few actually Teach for America alum. I think we are the second highest like teacher program that feeds into like the Metro Nashville public schools. Mm -hmm. um, and so we actually a lot of us end up kind of falling in love with it and staying for, for more than the two years. Mm -hmm. um, but teacher turnover is definitely a, a huge problem. Yeah, I know um, here and just where I'm at, people, it's almost every year, people are constantly shuffling around because our principals get shuffled around. Well, yeah. When you get in good with a principal and you guys vibe well and you're doing great things and then they get moved, you're going to want to follow them. So that that constantly is happening here and teacher turnover rate is is quite high because of that. So, yeah, um, I read a statistic and this was actually pre-COVID. It mm -hmm. was a huge research-based survey. Um, and, oh God, I, I don't, don't quote me on the exact numbers, but over 50% of teachers will leave by the five-year mark. Wow. And that was pre-COVID. Yeah. And I know turnover rates are far higher now. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I don't know if you saw that episode, but we actually, I did an episode with um, two tails, two Tales podcast. They do puppies and their teachers, but um, where we were talking about the kids post COVID and how much of a difference it makes in these kids' lives when they can't um, interact with one another and learn how to interact with one another. Like us shutting down for the two years we did really was detrimental to our kids. I understand the health side of it. I'm not arguing the health side of it, but just from a teacher's perspective, like my kids can't figure out how to communicate to one another about, you know, you looked at me wrong. <laughs> it's, it's not like, hey, are you doing okay? No, it's like, why are you looking at me? And it's a huge blow up instead of what it usually is. And kids are just different now. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's kind of the beauty of me. Like, I don't know what it was like pre-COVID to teach because I started yeah. in, like at the end of 2020. And so yeah, a lot of veteran teachers near me were like, oh my gosh, we've seen such a change in the kids. And this is where ignorance is bliss is helpful to me is because I don't know what it was like. Like all I see is post-COVID kids. And I think not only being at home for two years was extremely detrimental, but having social media mm. and like phones. And that's something that I didn't have to deal with as much in high school because it was a newer thing as I was going through high school, but I cannot imagine the pressures that social media give students nowadays compared yeah. to, you know, when you or I were in school. Oh yeah. And I'm your senior by a few. Um, and <laughs> a couple, <laughs> just a few. Um, when I was in school, I mean, it was, it wasn't unheard of for teenagers to be driving and still not have a phone. Like we, you know, we were seniors and getting cell phones for ourselves because our parents weren't about to put us on their plan, you know, like 
it's completely different now. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And then I don't know how Tennessee is, but here in Polk County, we're one-to-one -one technology. So our district has put devices in our kids' hands now. And it's like, okay, put that away now. <laughs> you know? no, seriously, I, I feel so old fashioned, but we're also one-to-one, -one. like all the kids have Chromebooks. I mean, they all have cell phones at the age that they're at for me. I teach freshmen. Um, and they all have some device and it's just wildly distracting. And, you know, I'm, I'm older than my students, of course. And for me, even just having my phone on me, I feel like a need to check it. Mm -hmm. And so I'll literally put my phone up when I'm teaching or in a bucket for the most part, because I pride myself in being disciplined and like having a lot of self-control and technology is so powerful now, let alone in the classroom mm -hmm. to have that. Um, and especially like fifth graders. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And I always try and do like pen and paper mm -hmm. assignments. Um, and I feel old fashioned and it's very far from the most efficient thing that I could do. But we're just, we're going, we're getting too like technological. Well, and it's not helping the kids. And that's no. what I look at is yeah, what, what am I doing in the classroom that's going to further their education? If I'm making it easier on me, chances are I'm making it easier on them. And when you do that, you're dumbing down the work and you don't want to do that. You want to make them think. So, yeah. yeah, it's and I will say I there are some parts of technology I like that they have. Everybody always has a copy of their book that we're reading because it's on their iPad. Everybody always has a dictionary they can go to. It's on their iPad. Um, for my kids that, you know, are lower, they can make me a video instead of a PowerPoint or stuff like right. that. But when it comes down to it, like their handwriting, terrible. Their writing, not the greatest. And it's because they had those things in front of their faces. And I got to the point where I said, okay, we're detoxing. And I had them all put them in box in boxes near the door. And I'm like, we need a break. Like, that's what I do with my five-year-old. I'm going to do it with you guys, too. We need a break. Absolutely. From you know? So, okay, we went off on a tangent. But we did. <laughs> um, all right. So, we're going to start a segment. You're my first one to do this one. Um, it's called Time to Sparkle. And so this is going to be where, so I don't know if you know much about my, you know, leave a little sparkle name where it came from, but I have always operated as a teacher, as a person, just whatever, like that there's no problems, only solutions. And I have to find the solution. And so I am leave a sparkle with somebody type of person, not a take away and drain them type of person. So what, where, excuse me, do you draw inspiration from for teaching? This is going to sound like a very cliche answer, but on a very hard day when I'm like, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. It's always a student that comes in and tells me a stupid joke or like bothers me or says something hilarious or has a great idea. And I think where I draw my inspiration from in the classroom is definitely my students. That's awesome. And they inspire me. They leave me a little sparkle, if you might say. <laughs> they do, they also give me a lot of headaches, but um, <laughs> the good like just the knowing that you have students who show up to your class, like skipping is mm -hmm. a pretty big problem once you get to high school. And I'm like, you know, there's, there's kids who definitely show up for me too. And that's 
what inspires me the most. And I have some of the most resilient, hardworking kids and they have stories and lives that, you know, they don't talk much about, but I mean, they, they show up every single day and I'm just like, I don't know how they do it. Right. Um, and so my inspiration comes from my kids. They're hardworking, they're resilient, and I am very, very confident. And this is what keeps me afloat too from burnout and stuff. Um, that every single kid who shows up to your class, you know, even if they have a fight in your class, even if they cuss you out, they want to be successful. Mm-hmm. It's whether or not they know how to yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a so, lot of times it comes down to like helping them have the tools they need. Yeah. You know? I mean, I see it more. I, I don't know if you see it a lot in high school, but um, I see it a lot in my fifth graders is that they're they're just now becoming their own. And they're starting to have problems they never had before, and they don't know how to cope with it. So, yeah. Yeah, and um, I would say that's that's my big inspiration is my students, even if they don't know how to cope with problems yet, they're still coming, and they're semi ready to learn if they're showing up. So, hey, that's true. Um, that and also. I'm very lucky that I had some really phenomenal teachers around me my first couple of years of teaching. And, you know, being by a teacher, like I had this teacher at my school, she's taught there 18 years and she's been in freshman English for 18 years at this one school that I teach at. Mm-hmm. And she still loved it. Like she's moving school. So she still loves education. Um, but she always came up with like creative ideas and just having people around you like proximity wise and teachers who still find joy in it. And at least the kids. Yeah. That, that gives me inspiration. Yeah. So we call that a marigold. Have you heard that story? I don't think so. So, okay. And I don't know if, I don't think I've ever said it on the show before, but when I was going through my student teaching, my internship, if you will, um, I had a teacher give me this like printout paper and it was a story of the oaks and the um, marigolds and Mm -hmm. basically the gist of it, because I don't want to like take credit for the story. um, Mm -hmm. The gist of it is you can either hang out with the oaks, which if you have, have you ever seen an oak tree and what happens underneath an oak tree? I haven't seen what happens under it, but. Okay. So uh, all the way around it, nothing lives. It's all dirt. Okay. Um, because the oak tree is so, it's canopied, you know, so no sunlight can get through, no water can get through, nothing can live except for that oak tree. But a marigold is facing the sun. It's in the sun, it's it's going for the sun, even if it's stuck somewhere or whatever, it's going to face the sun, it's going to get what it needs, and it's going to be positive and bright and shining, whereas an oak tree is kind of drab and whatever. So it just talks about how, like, you got to find your marigolds in the education system. And those are the people who help push you and help you come up with ideas and collaborate with you. And they don't drain you and take from you. And that's where like, I, I really enjoy TikTok for that is because while there are some naysayers on there that are just on there complaining, which gives teaching a bad name. And I, (laughs) that kind of hurts my heart a little bit. Um, (laughs) But there's still some really good inspirations like yourself where I just every time I see your videos and you're so upbeat and positive and excited and happy about it, it just makes me so happy about it because I'm like, yeah, get in there, teach those kids. And I love the tips and tricks. And 
I know there's some others and I, we kind of talked about it. Do you have any um, in, inspirers, if you will, that you want to share? Yeah. So I can you still see me? I just went to my my photos. No, I just lost you, but that's OK. OK, OK, because I don't I don't want to butcher the accounts because I was going through my following and fun fact, I only follow three teachers on TikTok. Really? And <laughs> I see things on the For You page, but there's so, I mean, teacher quit talk and like, as yeah. you kind of touched on already, like the complaining, like I can go to my school and see that any day. Like <laughs> if I'm using an app and I want to feel inspired, like I'm very selective on the teachers I follow. And yeah. so the two of them are like have over 150,000 followers. One is like around me at like 15,000 and they're all really great in their own right. So the first one is Miss Johnson teaches and that's not a plug for me. That's somebody else. <laughs> um, but she's a high school teacher and also a personal trainer. Nice. And she's just got such. So all three of these have a very common theme. They have such a balance between their own lives and who they are as people and also teaching. And I think yep. that's why it's refreshing is because sometimes when there's like teacher TikToks, it's like you never want to make your profession, whether it's teaching or something else, your whole personality. Right. Um, and so these three do a really good job at, at um, having a balance. So it's Miss Johnson teaches educator Andrea. She's the high school English teacher who's super sarcastic. She's awesome. I love her um, too. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And she like, doesn't take herself too seriously. Like she is the exact type of person that I love to follow. Mm -hmm. um, and then also these are all high school teachers. Cause obviously I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> this girl named L Joe Clark, and I'll send you all these so you can put these in the show notes. Um, she's awesome. She's, she teaches in Chicago, which is where I'm originally from. And so I very much know how crazy the public school system is there. And she talks about, you know, some meaningful stories with her kids and the depth of her teaching because a lot of her students have lost somebody to gun violence. Oh, wow. Um, but she also talks about how being a teacher is the best thing because she actually spends her summers working on a boat in Italy. What? Yeah, she's got, she's like super, she's awesome. That's amazing. Um, Where do I sign up? <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's what, that's some of the questions she answers too. And yeah. I just really like the teachers who can see the joy in it still yeah. and also have a good balance of like, yeah, I'm a teacher and I love it. And my kids mean a ton to me, but I also do other things. And like, I, I think that's really important in teaching too. Yeah, I actually, so it's funny you say that because um, I have PCOS and with that comes a lot of weight gain and hair and just like a whole bunch of stuff that's not great for, you know, your health. Um, and it does, it weighs on my mental health a lot. Um, and so I've been in therapy for a long time. Um, but all that to say that I, I realized I put my all into what I'm doing because that's what I get validation from. Like I'm a good teacher, a highly effective teacher. You still there, my friend? Oh, there you are. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm a, a highly effective teacher. And so when I hear those words, I'm like, I got to put more into it. And I realize. I put myself at the wayside. Like I don't, I, I eat, breathe, sleep school. And then I get yeah, to this yeah. point where I'm, I am starting to get burnout. And so I actually, my, my niece, she's kind of a fitness junkie. Um, her and I were talking and I said, I don't want to do this whole fad dieting thing. Like I, I definitely just want to 
feel better. And so her and I actually put together a wellness journal. And so we've been working on that and I've been like doing that every day. And now I'm like, oh, well, this whole like holistic approach to being a person is starting to become my personality now because I'm like looking at, you know, like I love to teach and it validates me, but there's other parts to that. Like I need to work on my mental health. I need to work on my fitness. I need, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, that kind of, that goes into not getting burnt out, you know? Oh yeah. (laughs) And I think that's, I'm so sorry about PCOS too. I just recently learned that what that is actually on TikTok. Really? Um, so my high school health classes didn't do that much, but yeah. Um, <laughs> one in 10 women have it and you would think it would be talked about more often. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if you follow Gracie Norton on TikTok. This doesn't have to go on the show because she's got nothing to do with teaching, but she has PCOS. Okay. I haven't and heard. she's got really intentional recipes for like hormone health and like regulating it in like a holistic sense. Uh-huh. Oh, and I don't even have PCOS, but I, I literally love her recipes. <laughs> yeah, I found a who even does seed cycling. Have you heard of that? Yes. Yeah. So even like that, I'm like, I need to start doing some of this kind of stuff just because the medicine that the, the doctors give you is just kind of like a surface level thing. It's not really yeah. a thing. So. No, you, you got to check her out. But I think that's so important for all educators and teachers is like when I see teachers the most stressed or the most miserable is when I think it's easy especially as teachers to put your all to want to put your all into something because we're all kind of type a to some extent we (laughs) became educators right um to put your all into something but if you're sacrificing your physical mental health I'll never forget one thing someone told me um before I went into teaching is Kids aren't going to remember when you put 12 hours into, you know, a lesson plan. What they're going to remember is who you were and how you acted and how you made them feel. And if you don't feel good, like mentally, physically, whatever, they're going to know that. They're going to remember that side of you over the perfect Canva you've created, Mm -hmm. you know, for the lesson. And so there were times when I would really stress myself out, especially in my first year, my first year and a half of like making everything look perfect. And it's just, it's not worth that. Um, Kids don't remember how great your PowerPoint looks or how rigorous your worksheets were. They remember how you made them feel. And that has a lot to do with how you make yourself feel. Yeah. I'm better at making a Canva than I am at working out. So I think it's a self, like, I know I'm better at this, you know, and, I I hope that other people can just draw from this that they need to at least explore other avenues of their health and their wellness. Yeah. It's just about losing weight or being the perfect figure or whatever. It's about being able to feel good. Exactly. You can be there for the kids. And this, you know, goes right into something I was talking to my reading coach about the other day is that a lot of the teachers I would see that would get heightened and continue on and like, office referral, you know, like they get to that point real quick. They weren't self-regulating because they weren't taking care of themselves. Yeah. And this is not something that we're taught in school how to do. Like we live in a very productivity focused society. And so, yeah, I see teachers all the time just like losing it and not to like any real fault of their own, but just because like you said, they they don't know how to regulate Mm -hmm. emotions yet. And it's like, 
it's a really hard job on its own. Um, and it's even worse when you when you're struggling to prioritize and take care of yourself. And I'm definitely not great at it. But I will tell you this year, uh, well, actually recently, last week, so I have a five-year-old miracle baby. Um, He was getting upset and he goes, all right, one, two, three. And I'm like, I taught that to my five-year-old. I taught my five-year-old how to regulate himself and I could not have been more proud. (laughs) I'm like, I still can't do that, but my five-year-old figured it out. Yes. Yeah, so we need to be teaching our kids because they'll they'll learn, they'll take it. He sees me be a hothead all the time, but the fact that he chose to count and breathe it out, they'll they'll do they'll take their cues from what we tell them. Exactly. And as educators, we are the leader in the room. And mm-hmm. not in like a dictatorship type of way, but we're just we have so much influence and yeah. our energy. They our kids pick up on so much. Like I'm by by no means a perfect teacher. And when I come in there with an attitude for something that has nothing to do with my students, if anything, it's like adults in the building. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's really not it's hardly ever the kids. It's like they pick up on that so quick mm-hmm. and their attitudes and moods will be soured. And we have so much power in that way. Yeah. And so teaching things like emotional regulation, like breathing, brain breaks, like while it might seem silly is so important so that we don't get adults who in our societies like who don't know how to just take a break right or to walk away yeah that's so important especially I mean in high school when they're egging each other on to learn to just be able to walk away is going to be very powerful for those kids oh my gosh yeah and a lot of times I think at the end of this all what do I really want my kids to walk out of here with and it's not knowledge of Romeo and Juliet or the standards or even long way down as much as I love that book it's how to like how to be a good human for themselves and those around them and that includes like I had um I had a student this year who they were play fighting in the hallway one of them accidentally gets hit and with social media and phones all of this is just like on 10 because everybody's recording it like we have a fights page at our school like obviously if you pull a camera out you're gonna want to prove something that just doesn't need to be proven and so I saw one of my students take the kid and like bring him into my classroom and is like calming him down and is telling him like walk away walk away walk away and at 14 years old like that's something that adults can't do right um yeah, and so must have been. A I, I can't say I taught him that, but <laughs> somewhere did, and he is amazing for it. Yeah. Um, but self-regulation, and you talked about how like kids now, because they didn't have those social interactions, definitely have problems with like being able to really take a step back and like see how their interaction is is unfolding. And yeah, it's something we really need to focus on. Like SEL is so much more important. Like because you can't teach kids without having them buy in and know you care. And that includes teaching the whole person. Oh, that is so important. I can't even tell you. There was so many kids this year that were like, I don't want to go to that class. I want to stay here with you because they knew that that teacher was just here to teach and not really be there for them. And I'm skip out on classes and show up in my room. And I'm like, yeah, you're great. Don't be skipping class. Seriously. And that's crazy. At fifth grade, like kids know. Oh, like, yeah. Kids know what a teacher is there for. 
Yeah. And I think you have to have good intentions. If you're becoming a teacher, it's not just for summers off because Lord knows we work for those summers off, you know. And we only get 10 months of pay. Okay. Our salaries are based on 10 months of pay, not 12 months no. for all the naysayers out there. We would be rich if it was on 12 months because I, I probably could live off my salary if that was the case. What a crazy concept. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, teaching is great because of the kids and because of the outcome. It's not about the income, apparently. <laughs> That's what I tell myself to sleep at night, too. Right. Okay. All right. So um, I want to jump into PLNs. You know what PLNs are, right? Personal Learning Networks? Yes, ma'am. So okay, I'm yeah. on Twitter. Or I you... used to be on Twitter. Okay. Did you know that there's a huge community on there of teachers for uh, Twitter teachers, I guess? I mean, it's, I can see that. I yeah. can see that. It's, I did um, not know that. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that our audience knew that there's a huge network on Twitter and it tends to be, from what I've seen, a little bit more positive than what I've seen on TikTok because- oh, yeah. It's like they post a question of things that they're going through and everybody kind of jumps in and gives ideas, tips and tricks. And so it's it's a great place to turn to if as, you know, a new teacher or even a veteran teacher looking for new ideas. It's a great collaboration. So that was number one. Um, what do you think about having a personal learning network? Do you do you seek out one or do you feel like there's a good one at your school or? So I think doing Teach for America gave me some type of connections to other new teachers. And, and that was helpful because we were all going through kind of similar struggles. Like my yeah. core had about 100 people in the, the Nashville region. Wow. And so I think that's where it kind of started for me. And mm -hmm. I actually deleted all my social medias and didn't get a TikTok until like January. Wow. Um, because it's it's such a like a love-hate relationship for me um and i think the way you're describing it on twitter twitter was awesome though like I, twitter g genuinely brought me joy and like made me laugh a ton because i feel like people take themselves a lot less seriously on twitter than they do on like tiktok and yeah. i think that's probably why the personal learning network of twitter i would recommend it just based on twitter users when i used to have a twitter um but I think they're really important. I think for me, too, I had a co-teacher for my first two years of teaching. Okay. Um, because I teach. videos. Yeah, I teach, yeah, I teach yeah. Um, inclusion English, most of it. So um, we have students with IEPs. So therefore, I get another teacher in the classroom. And she, like, that was a godsend. Like, <laughs> Dasher was my rock. Like, when I was low, like, she was high. And you know, when she needed help, like I was there and that, that was really the personal learning network that I needed. Right. And, uh, at the time, and I'm so blessed to have that. And, you know, I guess my advice to people who maybe don't have a co-teacher is like, find the teachers at your school who like what they're doing. Like yes. find the teachers at your school who are, the, who are coaching, who are going to the extracurricular still, like mm -hmm. who, you know, are involved, go to the teachers who your kids talk about. Yeah because they're doing something correct. And, you know, I was lucky at my school. I had, we, we have 30 open positions now though. So a lot of them have left. 
Um, Wait, how big is your school? Because that's how many teachers there are. Like, <laughs> there's like, I heard at one point there were up to 200 teachers because we have oh. 2,400 kids. Holy moly. So, you know, in a school that big, like we don't even have a teacher's lounge, which I feel like is, I felt like it was kind of a curse at first, but also a blessing in the way of like, you know, I never really heard that much drama or gossip because like we were all eating lunch in our classrooms essentially alone. And um, because every time we get in big meetings, I think the the problem with like a huge personal learning network, at least with people at your school is Mm. teachers love giving their opinions, including me. Oh, yeah. Um, But that means if there's something wrong, I mean, it can just feel so much worse than what it is when everyone's talking about that problem. And And so jump on the negative train than it is to jump on the positive train. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's so much easier to bond with people over complaining for whatever reason than to talk about like, oh, like this one's super well. Like, even in my like our team meetings, I I hate going to them sometimes because I'm like, I don't think I'm a negative teacher, but I'm like, oh, everyone else is talking about this like yeah I guess it does suck mm-hmm. um and yeah. so I, like you said it's so much easier to bond with people over shared negative experiences like a trauma bond than it is over something positive and yeah I think with I think that's the same thing with like the internet too like you can get into a rabbit hole and I, I was telling you this earlier but I can't imagine if I got into teaching and had a TikTok like I didn't have that when I I didn't have a TikTok when I started teaching and Right. I didn't have it for like essentially my first year and a half. Yeah. And there can be such a rabbit hole of quit talk, like teacher quit talk. That's like, like even gone viral. It's like teacher, like the one I interned with 10 years ago said, why are you becoming a teacher? And I was like, because this is what I was meant to do. And she's like, you'd get paid more doing something else. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what I was going into teaching for so right and you know everyone's entitled to their own opinion and it's a tough profession but yeah it makes it a lot easier if you have people in your personal learning network who have similar values and like just more positivity and optimism like not to say you can't complain they're there for that too but if that's most of what you're doing it's detrimental like it's truly detrimental no matter how good your mindset is going into it well, and there's a difference between complaining and t- and doing something about it. Like if if there's something that genuinely upsets you or is not going well, try to find the solution. Don't just complain about it because that's not going to do anything. It's not going to help anybody. It's just going to keep putting you down that rabbit hole of just negativity. And I think depression and anxiety is already rampant enough in our country that you have to be careful what rabbit hole you go down what you consume matters oh yeah especially on the internet um and I love that idea that like complaining but trying to like come up with and collaborate to find a solution is a completely different realm yeah than like like not constructive complaining yeah and I think that's where stuff gets really bad really quick um and I love your you know find a solution yeah, I've always been that way because I I think because I think it stems back to my childhood trauma. It was like my whole world felt chaotic and I felt like I couldn't fix things. And so as I got older, it just became like ingrained in me that if there's a problem, we're going to find a solution because I can't live in the chaos of negativity like that. 
it's yeah. healthy. <laughs> and it's like finding a solution provides some level of hope. Yeah. But just being complacent in whatever you're complaining about, that's a hard place to be in in yeah. education. Like that's a really hard place to be in. Because yeah. you wouldn't want your students to do that. And that's right. what I to operate under is like, if I wouldn't want my students to do it, why am I going to do it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to jump ahead into our topic of avoiding burnout. And you have already beautifully talked about this. <laughs> but do you have like maybe, you know, top five of what to do to avoid burnout? Oh, my God. I think the big one that I always there's two that I always come back to is. It's never that deep. Like, oh my gosh, there are things that happen in schools that are, you know, very unpredictable uh, and you have to be flexible. It's just never that deep. If you miss a meeting, what are they going to do? Like, (laughs) are they going to fire you? And would that be that bad of a day? And like, that's what I always ask myself in my head is worst case scenario, I would get fired and they're not going to fire me. (laughs) Um, And like, I'm like, why, why do I, I think my first year I was really bad at this. Like, why do I stress myself out so much? Yeah. Like it's not that deep. It will never be that deep. Um, and I also use that philosophy too, because it's like, especially with high schoolers, there's a lot more, at least with like the class sizes and like the physical size of the kids, like there's like, there's a lot more attitude and like, that's not a bad thing. Like they're teenagers. It's natural. Yeah, but it's so easy to take it so personal, personally what they say. Yeah, and I always just have to remember, like, it's not personal. It's never that deep. Like, they're not attacking me. There, there's something much bigger going on, and so I've gotten a lot better at not reacting right. and taking it personally. Um, and then my other big thing is like, all you can do is all you can do. Yeah, like if your principle sucks. Okay. How is it affecting your everyday classroom? Right. What is in your control that you can make better? Mm -hmm. And then another thing too, is like along like the complaining side of things is um, if you're in a meeting and sitting there and complaining and joining on the complaints, what are you offering to make whatever the situation is better? And I think that's very similar to what you think of like, what's the solution, but because if you're sitting there, and just complaining without finding a solution, you are truly making yourself miserable. Oh, yeah. And, and it's things. not worth that. Yeah. It's like at the end of the day, this is a job. If if like I have good relationships with my kids mm-hmm. and I'm still finding joy in what I do, all the other shit doesn't matter. Like, right. you know, what my principal is doing, who they're hiring, who they're firing, like what person is becoming in this position, like doesn't affect my every hour of my day you know and I think it's so easy to fall into this thing of like oh my god you know this is going on outside of the classroom like our admin needs to be better at doing this that and the fourth how much control over it do you really have because the the answer is probably not much yeah and those that get so worked up about that like I could do it better okay then go do it like Yes, like move on. (laughs) Like we would like if you can do that, please. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like just this this cycle of just 
anger and negativity out of like regarding things that are out of our control mm-hmm. and not to be complacent. Like if you have a, a good solution, like please offer that. But like just complaining is not doing anything. And I think that's my biggest tip to avoid burnout is stop taking things so seriously. It's not that deep. They're not going to fire you uh, most likely, especially <laughs> in a teacher shortage. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just don't take things so personally. Like your admin asking you to like cover another class or take another class isn't because they're out to get you or they hate you most likely. It's because like, they don't really know, like they've been given a kind of a crappy hand to, they don't really know what to do. And they're people too. Like they're trying, I, I really live by the philosophy that like people do their best and people do better when they know better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if they don't, if they don't know better yet, that's okay. But I truly think everyone in our schools does the best they can, even if that looks maybe negative to me. And so I, I try and put faith in people too, yeah. that that everything is working out. And so I just don't, I try not to take things personally. And if you can let go of things that you can't control, it makes this yeah. profession more sustainable. Yes, absolutely. And nobody can ask you to do more than your best because that's yeah, all you yeah. can do, you know? Yeah, yeah. But always striving to do the best is also important. Like, still do your job. But at the end of the day, if there's still a list of things to do, if there's still a list of things to do, it'll be there tomorrow when you get back. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, the, this deadline, unless that, you know, this all is different when it has to do with, like, students. Yeah. But I'm most more so talking about, and I'm I'm sure you know all about this being in education for as long as you've been um, in Florida is just like the tasks they give that just don't matter. Like they don't affect my students directly. And it's like if they don't do that, then, you know, if I'm late on the deadline, I'll it'll be OK. Usually there's a grace period and that's absolutely be OK. <laughs> right. You know, you're you may get a follow up email, but that's it'll be OK. Yeah, everyone's an email warrior, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, that's fine. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you're in this profession for the right reason, you just have to lay stuff down at night and go home and have your home life. And yes, just know that you've done what you can. And you're going to make a difference either way. It may take, it took me 10 years because I just started my first group of kids started, um, messaging me to thank me they're graduating and like you know and I found me on social media and everything and I'm like oh okay so it took me 10 years to be like okay I made a difference but hey at the end of the day I made a difference so yes yep um really appreciate being on with me today I there's a few of you guys on TikTok that I'm like we could be such good friends (laughs) And it's like, it's you and Andrea. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the sarcasm that I could go back and forth with her on would just be, oh it would God. be quiet. Um, it's, it's some of those just get me through the day and I appreciate that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, I mean, what, 14, 14 point what thousand now are following you? I think it's like, like around there. How does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a funny question, but I love the question because 
I was always obsessed with YouTube as a kid. Like I loved YouTube, like Bethany Moda, like uh-huh. all those little influencers before influencing was like a big thing. Like I loved people like that. And I always wondered like, oh, what would it feel like? And I actually had a situation where I was at a Teach for America event and uh-huh. someone came up to me and was like, wait, do you do TikToks? I was like, wait, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was just, I, I still feel so normal. Like the numbers, I think, especially cause I, I wasn't on social media for some time, especially on TikTok. Right. I'm like the numbers or whatever, what really like, I feel like the most average normal gal who's like just into teaching and does like a lot of goofy shit in her classroom that she's able to get away with. Um, and what really gets me are like the comments people leave of like, oh, like I love this idea. Or, oh, this really helped me. Like those so much outweigh because there's always the trolls on the internet. Yeah. Like user five, nine, eight, seven, six. And I'm like, always, if you can do it better, like, please apply. Like we uh-huh. need teachers. Um, but it's like, I think what feels special is the more personal communications of like you reaching out to do a podcast is like crazy to me. Cause I'm like, I'm so normal. Like, you are very, I will, guys, she's very normal. Very, very normal. Like, so, um, a, like, such your average gal. Like, it's, it's really, it's, it feels cool more than anything. Like, the community that is on TikTok that is, like, supportive and nice and, like, to share ideas. And I get awesome ideas from, like, Educator Andrea. Like, mm-hmm. Aljo Clark, like, going and, like, being on boats in Italy this summer like made me book like my first solo trip out of the country. I'm like, good for you. There's cool things on that app and the numbers don't matter to me as much as like the, I wouldn't say I have a community, but like 